this week's episode of the XI Network podcast, we look back as Toronto FC falls just short of glory with the MLS Cup and look ahead to a very exciting and hopefully prosperous 2020 season for Toronto FC. All that and more coming up on the XI Network podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the XI Network podcast. I am your host, Justin Borrow, and with me today is Peter Robinson. Yeah, I'm here. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm a little bit sour about the end of the MLS Cup final, but at least we were there. We didn't even expect that. So yes. we were there. Yes, I mean, we went. a successful season overall, I think you can say, and we're going to get into it. Um, but before we do, uh, a little bit of housekeeping to uh, keep everybody up to date with what's been going on uh, here at XI Network. Um, so it is uh, with a heavy heart that we have to announce the departure of Chengiz Khan. Uh, he has officially moved to Dubai um, to pursue uh, his career, uh, and we wish him all the best. Uh, he's still going to kind of help out the network behind the scenes, um, you know, hopefully with some with the logo and and with helping with the website, hopefully. Uh, and he's going to sort of, you know, be our side guy there. And we're hoping to get him onto a podcast here and there. Uh, but in the the grand scheme of things, uh, he is stepping away from the podcast. So we want to thank Chengiz for all the hard work that he has done for the network. Uh, and we wish him all the best. Honestly, I'm going to miss Chengiz so much. Um, just based on the fact that uh, I'm going to be ripping you uh, by myself. I know. It's, oh, I mean, no more fun man. facts, no more hatred for being a United fan. It's just, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that are just not going to be the same without yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's sul- that sultry accent, you know what I mean? I think, that, actually, that yeah, I, say, I think that's <laughs> what I'm going to miss the most, is now our podcast <laughs> is illegitimate. Because we do not have an yep. English accent on our podcast. So so does that mean we have to call it soccer now? No, it means we have to find another Brit to come on here on the podcast. With yes, if, if, uh, if you are a Brit with uh, a knowledge in football and a sultry British accent, hit us up and let us know if you want to jump on the podcast. You pod. don't even need to know anything about football. You just have to have an accent. and uh, Just have you know, the accent. Then you'll sound like you know what you're talking we're about. We're pretty easy to, uh, to make happy. So, you know. Just oh, have absolutely. an accent, or uh, we're gonna have to develop them ourselves, and that's not gonna be. Uh, that's very good. no, and that's not gonna be no. good for anybody. It's, it's hard enough getting <laughs> you to say last names, let alone. <laughs> talk, hey, I've been I've been getting better. Okay, I've been practicing. My my name pronunciation has gotten a lot better as our episodes have gone on. So by episode one hundred, I'm hoping to have every single last name in the league down pat. All right, I'll hold you to that. Sounds good. All right, All it's right. on. <laughs> Up to episode 100. Let's keep it up. Okay. Let's... All you guys out there, make sure you keep your tally. Let's jump yeah. into it. <laughs> let's get it started. So, MLS Cup Final, Toronto FC, Seattle Sounders, the rubber match. It, it, Toronto FC falls 3-1 to Seattle. Now, it was it was a weird game. I mean, Toronto FC dominated possession the first half. Uh, it was like, I think, 65 to 34% or something. It was just, or 30, it was just... 35%, sorry. It was just absolutely insane the amount of possession that Toronto, um, you know, 
had. Um, and that's exactly what I think Seattle wanted, which I, which surprised me. I thought being at home, 70,000 fans, you know, roaring, I figured that they were going to sort of press, but it was, it was interesting to see them sitting back, letting Toronto FC bring it to them. And then trying to hit them on the counter. Uh, I mean, it worked effectively. Toronto FC just had no finish in the final third of the pitch for the entire match. Um, and I, I think that they just sort of ran out of gas in the tank. They ran out of ideas. Uh, Seattle was ready for them. And whatever they threw at Seattle, they had an answer to. Uh, and it, the, the game, it, it felt like Toronto FC was was wronged in the sense that, you know, they, they, they played so well, um, you know, the first three quarters of the match that it felt like they should have won it. And, and you almost feel like the scoreline is not really... Um, reflective of how the game actually went because Toronto FC dominated the match for the most part. Um, but I mean, in order to win the match, you have to put balls in the back of the net and that's what Seattle did. And Toronto FC failed to do that. Um, I mean, let's, let's, so let's, let's jump into, before I ask you what your thoughts were on the general match, let's jump into the very first goal because there was a little bit of controversy, um, middle of the patch, uh, our middle of the pitch, um, Osorio is is fouled. I mean, to me, it was a blatant foul. Um, Seattle takes the ball. Uh, referee keeps his whistle in his pocket. Uh, the ball moves up the pitch. Uh, it gets put out to the right, uh, the right wing inside the box. Uh, a shot on target, you know, deflects off Justin Morrow, and unfortunately, you know, just a bad deflection goes into the net. Um, it, it's not called an own goal, which I am a little bit confused about. But that's the way the MLS rules are. Um, and, um, you know, there's a, a lot of uproar saying that the foul on Osorio should have been called. And even if it was called either way, whether they called it on Osorio uh, or on, uh, I think it was Rui Diaz, um, regardless, it would have stopped the play, it would have stopped the momentum, and, and that goal may not have happened. Um, what, what were your thoughts? Was that a foul? Was Toronto FC wrong there? Or do you think that, you know... Uh, Alan Chapman called a good game and that he should have kept his whistle in his pocket. Um, uh, I think so. Obviously hindsight is twenty twenty, and Alan Chapman's probably looking at that saying, you know what? I probably should have blown that play dead, but I didn't, uh, should have brought it back up, but I didn't. Um, so I think it should have been a foul. I think most people watching the match thought it should have been a foul, but you know, uh, we can't really do anything about it now. That's, that's, the reality of it they went back they scored and to be fair seattle was very very uh they were tough on the break they were they did a great job um counter-attacking and and exposing the fact that tfc started pushing um in the second half for uh for those goals realistically tfc needed to score at least one or two in the first half to um to have any sort of chance in this match i mean i think failure to do that is a bigger talking point than um than a, a foul on azorio or anything like that or or a possible own goal um i think the fact that they didn't capitalize on their first half pressure and score was realistically what led to their downfall they they exerted all this energy in the first half trying to get that early goal and they didn't um seattle kind of Played a really tight defensive game. You know, Fry obviously had a few good saves, um, as he has in the past as well. So, I mean, let's uh, let's be honest. They they beat us two out of three. Um, this one was a little bit more legitimate than obviously the first one, but uh, 
it's it was it was a sad game to watch after it, it the, was and i mean playoffs. it wasn't the most exciting it wasn't the most exciting cup no. final i feel like you know the game against atlanta would have been a much better cup final in regards to you know excitement and uh you know overall entertainment value um but that being said i mean toronto fc dominated the stats you know they 14 shots a piece uh five shots on target for tfc uh 66 to 34 percent possession in the total game uh 592 passes completed 83 percent pass accuracy i mean toronto fc just sort of you know dominated they just didn't have any finish and so that leads me into my next talking point which i think is really the only talking point that you can really take away from the game and that is whether or not josie eltador should have started the match now obviously based on how the playoffs had been going and with the team gelling it it's understandable why Greg Vanny made the decision not to start him. Um, but if he was fit enough to bring in, you know, halfway through the match, was he fit enough to start? And if he would have started, um, you know, would Toronto FC maybe have had that attacking prowess that they were missing um, to possibly get that early goal that would have maybe given them the momentum? Uh, I mean, Josie Elzador did score that header in the 93rd minute. I mean, at that point, it was a, you know, um, consolidation goal. But you know, he did get a goal. Um, and so it's a, a matter of should he have started or do you think Vanny made the right choice leaving him on the bench until halfway through the match? Uh, I think the bigger question is why Omar Gonzalez started over Laurent Simon. Simon had played the whole playoffs. Um, you know, he, he played well with Mavinga. Um, I don't buy this. I don't, I don't remember what Christian Jack or Stephen Caldwell were saying at the start of the match about Omar Gonzalez speaks Spanish, so he can communicate with Aro effectively. I think that was complete bull. Um, I think they did fine with the defensive line that they had through the first three playoff matches, so I don't know why they had to change that. Um, But realistically, I don't think Josie should have started. Um, I I think if you did start Josie, your entire game plan changes. Obviously, the balls into the box become um, much more direct. I think it becomes more of a kick-and-run game. You see less of the... Uh, possession game that you saw with Benazay up front um, and, and to be honest I liked I liked the way TFC looked with Benazay up front and with that Benazay puts well you know endo type um, type uh, you know switch off that they could do because as, as you can see by the stats TFC had lion's share of possession and realistically it, to me that was more dangerous when they brought on Altador, it just seemed like it was pump the ball forward and hope that Altador does something, um, which I think is just a very, very one-dimensional way of thinking. It is one-dimensional, but I mean, if you look, you know, through the last couple of years for Toronto FC history, uh, it's been an eff- it's one-dimensional, but it's effective. And what the what seems to happen is the ball gets pumped up forward Altador holds up the play with his strength that gives the time for the midfielders to come in you know set up uh, and then they kind of do a one two you know a pass off one two uh, and it usually led to either you know Giovinco at the time or Altador you know getting in on goal Um, and I feel like that was what was lacking here was that the ball was being pumped forward Uh, Altador was you know 
holding on to it, but there was really no support coming forward to help him or, or at least it wasn't coming in the right spots. And so the ball ended up sort of just being lost. Uh, and so there sort of just was this, this lack of cohesion in the final third of the pitch, uh, which really sort of became TFC's downfall. It just felt like no matter what they tried, they were just unable to break through the Seattle defense and all credit to them. I mean, Seattle came out to play, they played their game. They played Toronto FC very well. Uh, they clearly learned from watching Atlanta and New York City, um, you know, NDC, um, how Toronto wanted to play. Uh, and they they played them perfectly. And, and I mean, all the credit to them in that sense. And uh, I feel like we have to talk about the fact that Toronto FC has a lot to be proud of. Like you said at the beginning of the pod, this team was not expected to be where they were. Making it to MLS Cup, you know, it was surreal. Like that was at the beginning of the year, we were talking about this team being lucky to make the playoffs. Um, and yet now we are discussing, you know, and deconstructing their MLS cup final match, which is sort of just hard, like weird to think about. So it, it's, I feel like that number, regardless of the fact that we lost, um, this season was definitely a success. Uh, and I feel like as a TFC fan, we have a lot to look forward to, um, you know, looking ahead to next season. Um, do you have any comment on that? Like, what, like, do you, would you say this has been a successful season? Are you, are you happy with what the team has accomplished? Um, I'd say anytime you show up in a final, you have to say that it's a successful season. At least the second half of the season was successful. I believe that the first half was, uh, forget, um, forgetful. Let's put it that way. Or it was, uh, you know, yes. you can, you can forget about the first half of the season, but, I just hope that they don't. It doesn't repeat itself next year. Obviously, I'll take a finals berth again next year, but I don't want to have to go through the, you know, the the lows that we went through through the first half of the season. Um, obviously, with the with the roster moves, which which we're going to talk about, um, there's going to be a little bit of turnover. But for the most part, this team is staying together. So. You know, if Vanny's figured out how to put this team together and how to make it work together, then, you know, maybe they'll be able to actually, uh, you know, come out firing next season. But then the question, I guess the, the next question would be if they don't come out firing next season at the start, what happens? You know, it is, is Greg Vanny going to be on the chopping block like he was at the first half of this season? You know, regardless of the fact that he he made it to the finals with this pretty much the same squad, it's a tough tough question to ask. I mean, let's and we're gonna we'll talk about this obviously later. But I mean, if you look at what's happening in the Premier League, um, you can sort of say the same thing with Pochettino with Spurs. You know, they made the Champions League final just at the end of last season. Uh, they played really well. They had a great season last year. You know, they fell off sort of towards the end. Um, but for the most part, they played, you know, very well. They, they made a cup final. And then here we are, you know, what, 14 weeks into the, the new season, he's gone. Um, and so I feel like that's definitely up for grabs. I feel like, you know, if TFC does not come out flying next year uh, and if they sort of fall off the wagon again, I think that there's no reason why Vanny's head should not be on a chopping block. Uh, but I do think that for now he is safe, and I think that this playoff run has definitely secured him a bit more time and patience from the board, um, which I, I think is 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 um, reasonable 
Uh, I, I feel like that's, you know, that's that's an acceptable thing to do. Um, you know, he, he took us to three MLS Cup finals in four years. And, you know, yes, obviously give the players all the credit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to look at Vanny and say that he is the gaffer and he was making the lineup decisions and the team was gelling when they needed to. Uh, and, you know, he has to get credit where credit's due there. Um, but I, I do think that there's no reason why his head should not be on the chopping block if Toronto FC fails to um, produce results, you know, at, out of the gate next year. This is a team that has shown they're capable of doing it, uh, and now it's just a matter of continuing to to grow and, and harbor the skills that they have. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting. It, it's funny that we're talking about next season already, but um, it's going to be an interesting next season. Um, also, with the uh, open designated player spot, like I don't, I think people are downplaying the fact that. If we bring Bradley back, I doubt he's going to be a designated player, which means we have that extra designated player spot right now. Um, and obviously with the cash that MLSC has, what do they spend it on? I think they're going to spend it on an attacker probably. It just makes sense to spend it on an attacker. But um, I think... Well, I feel like you have to with Josie Elter's injury problems and you know with him being you know, so fragile in that sense. Um, I feel like you need to bring in a, a designated attacker, a, a DP that's an attacker, uh, somebody who can sort of, you know, be there to play either alongside Josie, like Giovinco did, um, or to be there in case Josie goes down. You know, somebody who can play off of Pozuelo and, and Altador. Uh, and so I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they, they use that spot. Um, but since you did mention Michael Bradley we can sort of jump into the roster now. Uh, and so um, there was an expansion draft, obviously, for the two new teams coming in, Nashville and Inter-Miami. Uh, somehow, Toronto FC did not lose any players, uh, which really surprised me. I definitely thought we were going to lose uh, at least Endo or or Moro. Uh, I had those two did, on my uh, list to go. Austin's um, coming in this year too, right? I don't believe so. The This draft was simply... Was this the, draft was, was just two? for yeah. Nashville... And uh, enter, yeah. So I don't believe Austin's coming in just quite yet, um, especially now that Columbus has been saved. I think that was part of the. Um, Unfortunately, Columbus is deal. saved. Unfortunately, so we have to do the piss yellow jerseys another year. Um, but uh, just to give everybody an idea, uh, Toronto FC today announced their decisions um, for their 2019. Um, their, their roster decisions to conclude the season. Um, so they've exercised contract options on Aro, Dunn, Larea, Mavinga, Moro, uh, Delgado, Frazier, Endo, and Patrick Mullins. Um, they have not exercised any options on um, goalkeeper uh, Caleb Patterson-Sewell, uh, defender Ashton Morgan, midfielder Aiden Daniels, Ryan Telfer, or forward John Baccaro. Uh, Ryan Telfer was one that surprised me. Uh, Ashton Morgan, I think, was on his way out anyways. A little bit of a surprise. The other two, not so much. Um, Drew Moore's out of contract at the end of the year, and it doesn't seem like they're going to be bringing him back. Uh, and Nicholas Benizé's contract, or sorry, loan deal, is um, to expire at the end of the year, and it doesn't seem like there's any plans to bring him back either. Uh, they do mention that Captain Michael Bradley's contract is going to expire at the end of the year. However, the club is in discussions with him and his representation regarding a potential new contract for 2020 and beyond. Um, and then obviously you have Bono, Westberg, Simon, Gonzalez, Avaleta, De Leon, Dorsey, Gallardo, Akello, Osorio, Pozuelo, Schaffelberg, Akinola, and Altador, who are contra um, contractually guaranteed for the 2020 season. So for the most part, this team has stayed the same. Um, I mean, you're losing Benazay, you're losing more. 
uh, and Bradley is up in the air. Uh, but from the sounds of it, everything seems positive, and it seems like Bradley really wants to be here uh, and is is willing to sort of take a pay cut to do so, which would be really nice to see. Uh, I mean, he's the best captain in Toronto FC history. Uh, I feel like he sort of, you know, lives and breathes Toronto FC. And when you think of Toronto FC, he's the first player that comes to mind. Um, now, uh, I want to put you, uh, I'll pose a question to you. So do you think that Bradley is back next year with TAM money? Uh, or do you think he gets offered a DP spot at uh, another team like a Chicago? Um, I think he'll probably get offered a, a DP spot somewhere. Do you think he'll take it or do you think he will take the TAM? This is... Like, do you think his loyalty to the club is so deep that he would actually say no to a team like Chicago to stay with Toronto FC with a lower salary? Or do you think he jumps at the money, bites the bullet, and, and goes for that DP spot? Um, it's hard to say because realistically, you you have to think he's like he's 32 years old now. If they're offering him a DP spot, it's going to say... Maybe be like a three-year contract. So the question becomes, who in the league is willing to offer a 32-year-old player who is kind of in and out of the national team, kind of is, has almost been blackballed a little bit by the national team and the, and the supporters? Um, who is going to offer him a decent enough contract for him to move somewhere? I mean, his family's here. His kids go to school here. Um, you know, his, you got to think that he's comfortable here. As much as his dad's in L.A., he's comfortable here. So I do think they're going to try to buy him, or I should say pay him with TAM money or JAM money or DAM money or Monopoly money or whatever whatever the MLS <laughs> is using now. Um so I do think that they're going to try to keep him that way. Um, but, I mean, like, let's let's be real. Let's break this down for a second. TFC is not getting younger with the, the, the um, contracts that they uh, exercise options on. Um, and with bringing back Bradley, you're not getting younger. And this is a league that is getting younger. Um, so I think that by... Um, letting go of Benize, you know, obviously like his loan expired, so he had to go back. I think that's somebody that they should probably look into bringing back on a year-long loan next year because I feel like he did kind of deserve it. Um, but I mean, if you're if you're really looking at the squad and who's currently under contract, like Westberg is your is your number one. Obviously, Bono has shown that he's not consistent enough. Aro's still young. Suman is old. Omar Gonzalez is relatively old. Richie Larea is surprisingly young, even though he looks ancient. Um, he is still young. <laughs> Mavinga's older. Justin Morrow's older. Eric Zavaleta is Eric Zavaleta and should never grace an MLS pitch ever again. Um, De Leon is old. Marky Delgado is getting older. Um I mean, obviously, you've got, like, Griffin Dorsey, Sabasa Endo, like, the, the young draft picks that, that you still have. Um, but, I mean, up front, you're looking kind of kind of skin. Like, you got Akinola, who realistically hasn't done much this season. 
Altidore, who's made of glass, um, and then Patrick Mullins, who, again, didn't show anything during the season that, that made me think that he uh, could step in and be Josie's replacement. So um, we were just talking about the designated player spot being open. I think you need to go after like a 24, 25-year-old uh, striker, realistically. Um, yeah. And someone who isn't necessarily the same build as Josie Altador, but maybe, um, you know, someone who is kind of, doesn't even have to be a name, to be honest. A lot of the best DPs in the league, when they come in, nobody really knew who they were. Um, you look yeah. at Pitti Martinez, no one really knew who he was. You know, um, Almiron. Like, I, I could just say any of Atlanta's designated players. You didn't really know who they were when they came in. And now they're superstars. You know, Joseph Martinez. No one really yeah. knew who he was. Um, now he's a superstar. Uh, so, I mean, I think you have to kind of play this really intelligently coming into the off season. You finally have a designated player spot open. It, it's time to get younger with that designated player and hopefully hold on to them for a few years. Absolutely, yeah. No, you're 100, percent you know, on the nose there. Um, Toronto. Now, the the only good thing going for Toronto FC is, although the roster is, you know, getting older and the team's getting older as the league's getting younger, uh, you have that experience, right? You have sort of that, um, you know, those veterans that can carry this team. Um, you know, they know how to grind out results. They 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 have the experience, and I think that's that's really key when it comes to, you know making it to say MLS cup is that you need these players who are not afraid of adversity. They're not afraid of, of, you know, the unknown and, and these players have all been there. And I mean, on the bright side, we don't have champions league to worry about this year. Uh, and so no, you know, early football, they can have an actual proper off season to recover. And, and I, I'm really, um, I have a lot of positive feelings towards next season. Uh, and I think that with the team that they have, you know, remaining, um, for the most part untouched uh i think that it just gives this team more time to bond and to grow uh, and to work together and i, I mean with the way that larae has been playing i'm sure he's gonna get a pretty good payday um and when you look at you know just the way the team was gelling towards the end of the season if, if the tfc that we saw against new york dc and atlanta and even for the most part against seattle in the cup final is a team that comes out um you know in march um i feel like it's going to be a very good season for toronto fc uh, and I, I'm really looking forward Can to it. Can we just send a quick shout out to Ashton Morgan, who's been with the team since 2010? He's captain yes, the squad. I think, yeah, he was he's the had the most um, long, most longest, longest, um, longest reigning player in Toronto FC yeah, history, I yeah. believe. I think he's, well, it's, yeah. it's obviously it's nine years. So, you know, he's, he's been with the team for a long time. Um, I honestly think that there's going to be a home for him somewhere in the CPL if he doesn't go to another MLS squad. Um, and then Ryan Telfer being released as well. I think that just paves the way for him to uh, to become the face of the CPL and owned specifically by the CPL as opposed to being an on-loan player. Um, so we'll see. Look forward to it. York Knights needs to uh, sign him up yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, and uh, let's just give a quick mention. Uh, Thierry Henry is back uh in the mls uh taking over a coaching job from montreal impact uh which i mean if really hoping that it goes as well with montreal as it did with monaco because that would just be great as somebody who just cannot stand the impact or thierry henry so i'm you know looking forward to when they come to toronto next year 
Uh, man. So as a Spurs supporter and as a Toronto FC supporter, uh, this, this gives me more reasons to hate Thierry Henry. When I, uh, when I make my list of players that I hate most in world football, Thierry Henry is now creeping up towards the top of that list. So congratulations, <laughs> Thierry. You've made a list, and the list is players slash managers now that I hate the most. Congratulations. I love it. Uh, in other roster moves in the league, uh, Bradley Wright Phillips uh, is no longer uh, with the New York Red Bulls, so I'm wondering if he's going to hang up his boots and, and call it quits. Um, so he, that's another uh, you know very talented player who is now leaving the league. Uh, so th- there are a few changes from across the league, but for the most part, nothing major to announce. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think that's going to do it for us here on the XI Network podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, thank you so much for, you know, hanging in there with us while we've been breaking down the MLS season. Uh, we are now going to be able to take uh, a little bit of a break from discussing MLS. Um, we're going to be focusing strictly on uh, the English Premier League. Uh, so make sure you guys tune into those episodes. Uh, and we will be back, you know, just before... Um, preseason to discuss Toronto FC and the upcoming season Uh, so look out for that in January February Um, and we will definitely keep you guys updated if there's any you know major announcements or moves we'll do a quick podcast to kind of discuss that Um, but yeah please make sure you guys subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts Spotify or wherever you get your podcast media follow us on all the social media channels we have our Instagram our Facebook uh, our Twitter at XI Network CA Um, And uh, if you guys like the podcast, please make sure you guys leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Google, wherever you listen to it, and let us know what you think about it. Uh, You guys can always email us as well at thestartingxipodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, just if you guys ever have a chance, you know, let us know what you guys think. We always love to hear from you. Uh, And thank you guys so much for sticking with us. And on behalf of myself, Justin Borrow, this has been Peter Robinson. Uh, Support local football, but don't support Montreal because Thierry Henry is a jerk. (laughs) <laughs> Thierry Henry is going to get that on a t-shirt and wear it to the Toronto Montreal sh- match next season. That's going to be our it's going to be our next our uh, our next merch investment is going to be Thierry Henry is a jerk shirts and I'm I'm okay with that. Yeah, that's that's what I want. I might not say jerk, it might have some other language in there, but you know, it'll be something about <laughs> Thierry. Oh, man. Well, I can't wait to talk to you next season about this uh, to just see just how much your hatred for him continues to grow as the season goes on. But thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time.